0: welcome back to house call sports this is ollie and joel covering your f1 news we had monaco last weekend and we're going to talk about everything about the actually exciting monaco race ollie what did you think
1: oh i feel like i'm dreaming i don't know it just feels like i'm living in some sort of alternate reality where monaco was actually worth watching for once it was a blast It was. It was just everything that you'd need. There was actually some decent overtakes, especially further down in the field. There was rain. There was strategy errors. There was like, what do we do? And just watching it, like, I fell asleep sort of like the first half. I wanted to at least. But then as the rain came, when like people were thinking, "Oh, I don't know, the forecast might be wrong, what what tire do we go on? It was just so fun to watch, and that's probably like, the only time i have ever going to say that about a Monaco Grand Prix. So I'm going to make the most of it while I can.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. That rain really saved the day. I mean, it was like okay and everything, but you're right. It was like I was starting to nod off, and then the rain came, and I was like, ooh. <laughs> Let's see what happens. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay, so let's, uh, instead of last time, I kind of exhaustively went through starting and ending position for everybody. What I want to instead do is, we'll talk about that, but like with this position changes plot that I like to make. So here we go. Ooh, I like uh, or here, maybe this one. So let's see. So put us over here uh let's see so so this this key over here shows their starting position so you can kind of nicely um compare that to where they ended but yeah verstappen and uh and uh alonso no change throughout the race and the top you know top 10-ish or eight-ish uh drivers fairly neat um the bottom 10 was a little bit more uh i don't know exciting but also messy so let's see. Do you want to do you want to walk us through some of these? Do you remember like what, where, where, what lap the rain came in, where that came into play?
1: Well, it's around this little sort of second mess that you can see around lap fifty, yeah. and all throughout the race it was weird because they were saying, um, especially on Sky with Ted in the pit lane, he kept saying that you can normally see like the rain clouds sort of hanging over the hills, but then there was never really the sense, especially in the pit lane, that there was going to be rain. So when it did come, you can really tell by how messy it was that there was just a sense of, oh shit, oh fuck, what do we do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. through a massive spanner in the works. And then it sort of calmed down from there. The top two just cleared so far from everywhere, everyone else that they didn't even need to like, yeah. lose positions or anything during a pit stop, which is always good around Monaco because you don't want to end up behind traffic and losing right. position to someone you're trying to jump. But now that that just shows especially like how like clear i think that red bull and aston martin are it was just red bull but now aston martin have slowly like creeped themselves up into the fight a little bit like as if they weren't already but they're like in the conversation with are they as dominant as red bull maybe maybe not but fernando alonso just does magical things with that car so i'm going to take that with a pinch of salt
0: well, Alonso had his foot on the the first place podium. If you saw that picture, he posted this. <laughs> <Yes. in some. laughs> That's
1: such an Alonso thing to do. He's a fucking walking meme and I love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: he leans into that. Yeah, what's interesting to me is the split between the two cars of these two uh, teams that you're mentioning. So like Verstappen and Alonso, you know, perfect showing. But then uh, uh, Stroll struggled and Perez really struggled. What, what what went into like you know why Perez struggled so much why well actually you know yeah i'll i'll let you talk about it but i shouldn't say Perez struggled so much cuz i think he did pretty he did pretty well being uh at the starting position that he that he had there's a good reason for why he's, why he was back there right
1: yeah well there's always a bit of a mental block isn't there when you qualify deep down the field at monaco and it's sort of like if you are in that position, that that race is just about damage limitation and just getting to the flag. So you're not really, you're not going into that as if you wouldn't like Spa or Silverstone or something and think, hold on, I could actually get a result here. So I think for yeah. Perez, it wasn't so much he was genuinely struggling with the car, and especially for Lance Stroll as well, even though he had a few moments with the wall, especially when the rain came in. The rain, but it was just like not wanting to take unnecessary risks, especially around Monaco, because he just knew. That no matter how hard he tried, the starting position was just too far down to make anything of it, really.
0: I see. So you, you think Perez would just kind of he just kind of folded in his hand once qualifying much, happened, yeah. and let's not damage the car, basically.
1: Yeah, that, that's kind of like the mentality that they all have at the back.
0: Yeah. And then Stroll, it was really the rain that, that did him in, but he also didn't qualify very well. I, I can't remember what may have happened to to make him qualify so poorly was there an event did he get held up or something
1: i can't fully remember which is surprising because it was probably the best qualifying session i've ever seen i know so
0: i well i think that's why we can't remember there's so much other exciting stuff
1: (laughs) exactly i don't i I don't remember if he either just couldn't find it in the car or if he had an issue with the car or something but to qualify only what was it 14th did he high 14th? I'm pretty it sure. looks
0: like from this, I don't know if this is wrong, but it looks like he started, what is that, 17th?
1: I don't know, I can't remember. But um, Late green. No, he... I don't even remember him did showing you? even a slight glimpse of pace. Because Yeah. No. He, he, he just sort of spent his time struggling around the back, and that sort of goes into what I was on about earlier, with you just don't want to wreck the car, you want to get sure. through, have a nice, clean race, little chaos as possible let the guys up front do their thing they can battle and hopefully he can pick off some places yeah. by default through dns and such but
0: nevertheless no. i mean he did yeah. he did well wasn't too much damage to the car right it wasn't like that hard of a hit but he did find uh, himself. Just a,
1: yeah just a broken front wing i think and yeah mm. but a lot i've seen a lot of people go off there to be fair especially the last yeah. two years so you can't really blame him but I don't know he certainly wasn't the ideal weekend
0: yeah and then let's see I want to talk about Tsunoda because he's been such a topic the past couple weeks and he was doing great here um and then the rain really threw him off or was it break issues did we get clarification on what the break issues may have been what was going on with Tsunoda do you know
1: I don't all I had was break issues and yeah he was very angry, as his typical self on the radio. <laughs> yeah, he his say, what do you say? If he was trying to make him crash, like, are you trying to crash me or what? Yeah. Which, again, is such. I'm going to keep making these stereotypes all, all video long, but these. It's such a Yuki thing to do.
0: <laughs> yeah, it
1: was so funny to listen to, and that kind of gifted McLaren a little bit because they were. That was the main fight. And Piastri mm. sort of had a little bit too easy because remember when he did get the move made he, into turn one, he'd yeah. sort of breezed past like halfway down the DRS straight before sure. it, like before it even got to the braking zone. So Yuki was definitely very very cautious with the brakes. He was breaking a lot earlier than mm. everyone else, and so that signifies that he did have some sort of significant problem. I don't okay. remember if it was enough to retire him from the from the race. I don't remember if he ended up not finishing or not. But no, it, it was clearly a significant enough issue to make him fall. Because if you look at the chart here, he went down like like seven or eight places.
0: Yeah, it's kind of nuts. Uh, you know, you saying breaking earlier, I should have done my my velocity curve plot on yeah. Sunoda and seen. Yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll do that and put it up there and we'll get it up as a graphic, maybe. But uh, yeah, it's uh, di- didn't Piastri pass Sunoda at the same place, same way as Norris did, just like a couple laps earlier? It was like right here, right? Just boop-de-boop.
1: Yeah, wait. Oh, yeah, because you see the, the little spike, the, the curve from, from Lando, yeah. Yeah, um, I
0: think they passed right at the same place. Yeah, Norris it was Piastri. Like,
1: it. They both did it. Um, It says they both did it on the same lap. So I, I'm not quite... Yeah, if oh, it says it was I'm the wondering. same, it was the same lap. Oh, so, okay. yeah, I think I remember that Piastri getting it done into Sandevot and then maybe Lando into Mirabeau. That was maybe actually when... We saw Yuki go down the escape road at turn five. Yeah, that might because yeah, yeah. he lost. That's where he goes That's so right. like dramatically down and then back up. When everybody else had to pit for inters, I don't even, I can't even remember if he was already on them by that point.
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: But speaking of inters, yeah, let's what were Aston Martin doing? <gasps> you saw the clear pace differential between yeah. inters and slicks, especially when the rain came in sector two, mm-hmm. and you still go on to mediums yeah that is just it was mind-boggling i genuinely think that that cost him the win despite i've seen a lot of people saying they don't think it did but i do it you you see and then max was still struggling anyway he was around that point when alonso came into the pits he was just going up the hill of beau Mm rivage and you would have come out as he was going through that entire section and you'd, you'd have capitalized on that anyway. And then when he sees, oh shit, Alonso's that much quicker, we need to come in. That loses him a lot of time there. And it's true. I'm just just baffled at how the fuck they didn't bring him in for inters. They had to lose another yeah. 20 seconds making an additional stop and then losing that time to Max, which immediately just cooked them out of it.
0: Yeah, like you said, a lot of people have said that that, that, that wouldn't have made the difference. But I think that it... It's possible. It's hard to know. I think it could have gone either way, whereas with them making that error, it just kind of solidified his second place. Yeah, and uh, he he wasn't the only one. It was also Norris that came in for Slicks, and so then they had Pitt again. So, yeah, I don't know that was just oh. uh I, I i feel like that was an error that everybody was screaming at their tvs of like what <laughs>
1: yeah How? that's what i that's what i was doing i i nearly stood up off my seat just seeing that yeah. oh fuck why have they got mediums on right <laughs> Inters on for fuck's sake yeah if they were allowed i, I would have just made them like inters no medium straight back off get the fucking inters on and get out just because uh-huh. they trust me and i don't know what I think you um, have a, a quote from from mike crack here the, the funniest oh, yeah. name in all of motorsport history right um said our forecasting was not good because we expected no rain and we thought it would be very short when it came so yeah. i've seen that before i saw it last year pre-race in monaco especially i think it was on the the grid walk mm-hmm. uh, when martin brundle asked alex albon if he thought there'd be any rain and he goes oh the Williams radar says there's nothing or like it's going to be very like like, spitting just for rain for like five minutes and then Mm -hmm. we ended up getting a 45 minute red flag because the weather was too bad so you can never really trust the radars you get and you 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 almost can't blame Aston Martin for doing what they did because especially doing what they thought was the right call yeah but it's just so painful finally when there's a chance of a Red Bull not winning (laughs) you just go and throw it away So it was a bit frustrating from a spectator point of view, but you can sort of understand it.
0: Yeah, hey, we had a Red Bull not winning this season. He didn't win uh, at Imola. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only strategy, is just start cancelling the races and Verstappen can't win them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you really can't blame him, because it could have gone the other way, and we would have been like, well, what are all the other teams doing? Put it on enters. (laughs) Well, yeah. But... It just seemed pretty obvious at that time, and also there was a few drivers out there, you know, with Inter. It was just like it was clearly the the way to go. I think.
1: I was going to say because there were the the, the, the um there was about a, a pack of about six drivers. I'm pretty sure there was Jo Bonu, Nico Hulkenberg, Kevin Magnussen, Sergio Perez, Valtteri Bottas, and I believe Lance Stroll, who had all pitted for. Inter's i think bottas and and perez were the first two and they were going so much quicker than everyone yeah so why didn't yeah so how did they not just look at that yeah look at the difference in lap times compared to the slick runners especially the sector two times and not think hmm maybe they might be quicker I i just don't get it
0: yeah it was just crazy because there was it was a slip and slide out there and it's like even if it stopped raining right then and the sun came out like the water would still be on the track enough for enough laps for inters to make sense and in, in yeah. my mind is what i was thinking
1: and inters, and to be fair are still okay around a dry track but slicks are not good around a wet track so it right. just kind of makes sense
0: yeah it's not like full rain tires yeah yeah kind of mind-boggling uh, yeah, and then for Norris, I mean, he he was asking a post-race interview like why that decision, and he said, "Good question. <laughs> we'll have to review that."
1: <sighs> so that's a little sad. With McLaren and and weather problems, I'm getting PTSD to that fateful day in Russia. <laughs> oh, I don't, I, I I I do not want to think about that. <laughs> you should know, especially as well as a McLaren fan, that that day was depressing at worst like yeah
0: at best oh, let's, yeah let's not revisit <laughs> oh yeah but uh you know overall they did they did all right both boys in the points um and norris i was really paying attention to him in the last you know 10 laps or so he was gaining so much ground on science it was like incredible he gained like 20 seconds on science i don't know why or how he was just running. That's like crazy a,
1: the a growing theme with Lando Around Monaco. Oh, where yeah. Where he just goes ape shit for the last like however long. in 2021, he had Perez chasing him for P3. He just <laughs> goes ape shit and keeps the podium. In 2022 he was fighting for fifth with George Russell, goes ape shit, catches a 35 second gap. And it wow. doesn't pass him, but he ends up like five tenths six tenths behind him at the line. So I don't I don't know what it is. He just likes wow. going all out at the end of races. Well, wow. it's it's nothing we haven't seen before, so I don't think it's anything that I'm too surprised at. But to be fair, yeah. when you look at the state of the McLaren car at the moment, yeah, it's you know it's he's he's working wonders with with what he has to drive, and Swiss so Piastri as well, because yeah. I feel like not a lot of people have mentioned him so far, but he's been a solid little driver for them in his rookie season. He's not way really, he's not really been you know a showstopper or an instant race winner which nobody really expected him to be yeah but he's always been there to to pick the pieces up whenever norris has messed up and in qualifying especially with um yeah he he was knocked out but lando Mm -hmm. ended up crashing qualifying 10th and then piastri picked up the pace a lot in the race yeah he he was the first he was the first one to pass yuki uh, with break issues and all you might have said that he had a little easy but he was on it like even if lando was too he was on it ahead of lando and he was there saying right lando may have problems or whatever but i'm still here and i can still fight for points
0: yeah yeah i mean he i think is showing himself to be the best rookie out of the new you know new drivers this season
1: the competition is not exactly great (laughs) i think
0: by far he's the best (laughs) yeah although okay let's give a tiny bit of credit Uh, There were no notable DeVries moments this weekend. (laughs) It's pretty low bar, but we're going to give it to him. (laughs) Do you think it was a sign of anything or it's just, you know, the blind squirrel gets a nut every now and then?
1: Well, I think people have been giving a lot of unfair criticism to to Nick DeVries. I mean, it's your first season in Formula One. I'm not, you know, not saying that he isn't quietly putting together one of the worst seasons in Formula One we've ever seen. But he he doesn't deserve a lot of the shit that's getting thrown at him, and to be fair, he handled himself quite well this weekend. Yeah. He yeah he crashes, but who doesn't? Like you know we're all human. Those are two; they're not just robots programmed to, to drive. You know, three hundred kilometers around a, a race So yeah. you've got to cut him a little slack. But if you're Alpha Tari, I can understand why it's getting a little frustrating seeing yeah. him like causing that much damage. I, I wouldn't say causing that much damage, but to be fair. He hasn't really crashed that many times and only once, I reckon, has been his fault in Baku. Hmm. Um, But they've got a a history of keeping people on even though they've crashed and caused damage. Like You remember hearing Yuki Sonoda at the end of 2021? He was surprised when his contract got renewed saying, oh, I didn't expect it because I crashed and cost the team a lot of money. So they've always been sort of lenient with it. But so i I do not see like him getting replaced at all not not even like by ricardo or anything which seems like the most far-fetched of the rumors to me yeah people want it so badly (laughs) yeah i know
0: sort of me too (laughs) well he, he ricardo went for like a seat fitting or something which really doesn't mean anything but people spun that into so much
1: they did, and the, the, that wasn't even the reason he was there. He was there for his best friend's wedding as well. Oh. <laughs> it was the only reason he was there. I didn't know that. His uh, his friend <laughs> Scotty James getting married to Lance Stroll's sister of all people.
0: Wow! Wow! <laughs> well one big one big. It,
1: it's just fans. mad what the the F one like social media and the fans on Twitter of all places as well are capable of spinning stuff into and creating rumors virtually yeah. out of nowhere. It's yeah. Insane
0: yeah very sensational group think the f1 fans it's easy oh, yeah. to like fall into as well <laughs> like, if you watch all the headlines like oh my gosh this and then oh my gosh that like even just think about like how we're talking like just a couple weeks ago i was like yeah perez you know world driver champion contender and then now i'm like perez really struggling. <laughs> what happened with him <laughs> yeah but uh yeah no notable devise um moments he finished 13th which is you know it's not so bad the recent alpha Tari. uh what do you want to talk about next
1: what, what do we have next to talk How oh we haven't have... talked about Ocon
0: and, and alpine doing quite yeah.
1: well it's it's... The <laughs> yeah hd bestie. yeah oh i love that he's embracing the meme as i think most drivers should to be fair you know you don't want to like talk about them all getting distracted you know they're not in the zone or they're not focusing on the racing, but it's nice, isn't it? And that's a part of uh, why Daniel Ricciardo was so popular because he just em- yeah. he, he didn't embrace the meme. He was just like more uplifting, you know, fan friendly. He was always there to make time, which a lot of the drivers are, in fairness. But yeah. there's just something about like embracing the people, like embracing the fans, and not yeah. just giving them a, a pointless wave on a track parade. And you're actually yeah. taking your time to to delve into the memes and see what people are saying about you and then embracing that on the big stage. It's just something about it.
0: Yeah, for sure. I loved it. I, I saw people typing that Okan was a little awkward. I didn't think so. I think he's just like relatable.
1: <laughs> he's just happy to be there, man. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. But you're right. Um you ha- you have here that like it really reflects that it's really hard to pass in Monaco and he qualified third and he hung on to that, which should be acknowledged but Monaco is probably one of the you know, easier tracks to hold on to a good position than others. Exactly.
1: So. That just stresses how important where you qualify is because if that were literally any other track, you'd have dropped down within the first few laps. And yeah. you had Ferrari growing frustrated behind him with Carlos Sainz. He was like, why can't I pass him? And then yeah. you were thinking box to overtake, yeah. which they'd never managed to do, which that's pretty much your only hope and prayer of passing in Monaco is through strategy and, and pit stops. But yeah. in Monaco, that that's just that's just it, isn't it? it? Where you qualify is likely where you will finish if you don't crash. And Ocon was a, a prime example of that.
0: Unless, unless it rains. <laughs> and then Gasly finished seventh. You Neil, know, notable. He's had he's had some bad luck this season so far. So finishing seventh, I think, is a huge win for him.
1: I was almost going to say good weekend for AlfaTari when you said that, but I still I'm still forgetting he's with Alpine. Ah, Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to accept that he's left Yuki.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's talk about Mercedes with Russell specifically. I think you have a better take than me on this because I was just like, "Man, George, you're not even faster. What are you doing? And you have that penalty. What are you doing?" Asking? Yeah, no.
1: I I thought that was very very smart from George because oh. what what he was asking was to swap places from Lewis, and he said on the radio, "I won't go above five seconds ahead of him." So he'd get the place back regardless because he had the penalty. And then that also covers off Leclerc behind because if Leclerc ends up thinking, oh, I'm quick, I'll have a go. Then you've got Lewis behind to defend and you don't have George within that range to drop back from Leclerc. So that's kind of just like preserving. I mean, in the end, he pulled away from Leclerc enough. But just in case, that that was a very good and very smart idea there from Leclerc.
0: Okay, so what they didn't broadcast on the one I was watching was him saying, I won't go uh, you know, above five seconds of you, of Hamilton. Ah. So without that information, I just thought he was, you know, he's just trying to take all, all, everything on the table. (laughs) But yeah, Hamilton was putting in faster, faster laps for a lot of that period. So it just didn't make any sense, but that totally, you know, and I should have, uh, I should have known George is very smart behind the wheel. He definitely is a strategist. And so, he has It was so
1: satisfying putting people down on Twitter who said that he only likes team orders when they benefit him. Because I just go back to when he said, if you have to compromise my race to help Nikki in Hungary, do it. And that's, yeah. all, that's what I keep going back to. And it's so satisfying seeing people go, well, oh, actually, yeah, no, you're right. Maybe. Maybe you're right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the sense of superiority I get with arguing with people on Twitter. But it's fantastic.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah. That's why I stay off of Twitter. <laughs> But yeah, Lauren, my fiance, that's uh, that's her favorite driver. So she's gonna appreciate your take because I was like, eh, <laughs> Georgie. <laughs> but yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, let's see, what else do we have here? Williams, Sargent, uh, kind of had a little bit more, not not perfect moments. But um, I don't know. You
1: forgive him. It's Monaco, like yeah, and he's lucky. You know, and everyone, the the most experienced the drivers have incidents around Monaco. Even Max Verstappen on his final qualifying lap hit the yeah. wall on the main straight. Right. So not right. no one's perfect, you know. Mm-hmm. There's gonna be no matter who you are, little brushes with the barrier, and mm-hmm. no matter what, like who you are, what car you're in. So yeah. I don't think it's much that people should look into. I mean, yes, yeah, Sergeant hasn't been having the best of season so far he's one of only two drivers that hasn't scored points this season alongside nick DeVries.
0: yeah Devries, the yeah, other <laughs>
1: yeah is it that's mad that to be fair that the only that two drivers so far haven't scored points yeah Whereas like this point last year and the year before we were on like six or seven
0: you know from so, that perspective just judging the the season as a whole so far that you know that on paper stat makes it seem like this is one of the better seasons so far
1: yeah, but you've it's got cool. Red Bull running away 20 seconds with every <laughs> at the front. So hey, ignore it's, that. It's We're talking about the midfield. <laughs> yeah, it's a tale of two parallels where you've got the midfield is very close, but the yeah. front of the pack is just Red Bull pissing on everyone else and saying, have that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I want to ask you because this is something I don't know too much about. And we got a good view of the underside of the cars. And I'm always interested in the aerodynamics. But just um, what I didn't realize is there's a plank underneath there is that wood is that what material is that that's is that just wood
1: yeah it is wood. That's, it's just wood and that's <laughs> often like what causes all the, the sparks that you see flying off the back when you you strike a high curb that's basically just put there for protection just okay. so when you run over accidentally run over a sausage curb, or you bottom out a little bit that takes the scrape and that takes the impact so you don't actually damage the floor so they just stick that on the bottom just to like absorb the impact to be like a crash dummy
0: is it, is it like in the regulations that it has to be wood? Because that seems like such an archaic material. I mean, you have carbon fiber everywhere, and there's like all kinds of material scientists out there working on like these, you know, artificial meta materials and such. Wood. <laughs> well, it's,
1: it's pretty strong wood, I'll give it that. And with, with carbon fiber, what we've seen, especially when you have like shadow impacts, it's liable to like snap and break really easily. Whereas oh. if you've got this big, long, thick bit of wood and you just smack it on the bottom, that sort of and with the way that the cars like go over the curbs as well it sort of like goes underneath it so they have the front bit sort of lifted up so it doesn't just collide head on so you've got it on like lifted up and it just goes like strikes under it so then it just sort of slides off of it and that's mainly what acts as the protection
0: got it but like wood is heavy I guess I don't know what like type of wood it is it just blows my mind if there's any wood on these cars like in the 1920s I would have expected race cars having wood on them
1: the <laughs> the 20s were weird i don't think they were low enough to the ground to worry about kerbs to be honest the, the cars in the 20s
0: no in the 20s the wheels would have made the spokes would have been made out of wood probably
1: yeah. <laughs> the entire car would have been made out of wood in the twenties.
0: yeah did they even have like you know air-filled tires back then i think pneumatic no, they, tires no they
1: had them. bicycle tires on the cars back then yeah. and they didn't even have, they didn't have pit crew they had a mechanic that sat next to you in the car and if you right. wanted to change a tire you had a hammer In the car, you'd get out of the car, knock the wheel off, get the other wheel, knock that one on, and they go
0: again. Yeah, and it would take like twenty minutes or so, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man. Well, okay. I just felt like wood is heavy, but I guess if there's if there's minimum weight requirements or whatever, exactly,
1: and you can make adjustments elsewhere. Yeah, they they sort of account that into the minimum weight, don't they? Because like they don't get the cars to the minimum weight and think, oh fuck, we haven't put our wood on yet. (laughs) <laughs> so they they'd yeah. make the, they'd build the cars around that and yeah. then go, okay, so we reached the minimum weight with the massive wooden plank on the bottom.
0: Yeah, I guess, I guess that makes sense. It just seems like if you could lose like, you know, five or 10 pounds or however many kilograms that is by changing out for a lighter, but still structurally similar, uh, you know, material, then the regulations could adjust and the cars could be faster and more nimble. I don't know. It just seems like a very bizarre thing. But... Um, yeah, and then uh, let's see, somewhere you had on here. Yeah, Ted Kravitz talking about the the floors between Red Bull and the other cars that we saw airlifted up.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that was weird, man. Like, the uh, with with David Croft, he said that he has a friend who lived in that apartment building on mm. the sixth floor, and I it was just so funny because imagine like being a window cleaner or something. <laughs> in that apartment building and you just turn around fuck it's the W4 <laughs> you just see a front wing flying fly yeah that'd be cool though that, that's like that's photo material but yeah. no Ted Kravitz what he said was that the, the flaws of the Mercedes and the Ferrari still look light years behind the Red Bull so that's I don't think that's much of a dig at Mercedes and Ferrari saying oh they can't make a good floor because they can they're still fighting in good positions but they say it's just saying that the Red Bull uh, just again, light years ahead of everyone else, and breaking today actually, one of the the chief mechanics or like aerodynamicists or whatever at Red Bull has joined McLaren. Oh, yeah.
0: I so, didn't see that.
1: Yeah, wow. and Andreas Stella has made it clear that he's making a lot of changes because the team is not where he mm-hmm. he wants it to be. That he still believes that they should be fighting for championships,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he's. It's clear that he believes that the. The problems lie within and he's gotten rid of a few key technical people the key and uh, the, the massive like the major technical director james key departed a few months ago right they've brought in someone from mercedes i can't remember who and then they brought in this guy who i can't remember his name from from red bull so it's good isn't it it's, it's nice when you see that intent and you see it's right like, he's identified the problem he's working on it and he's already figuring out solutions. So it, as yeah. a McLaren fan, that is very nice to see.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would love to see McLaren fighting for championships, of course. That'd be great. I mean, the name is just so legendary. I'd like to see it up there again. But yeah, I saw I saw a joke about the airlifting the cars. Somebody said uh, uh, the crane operator is taking flying lap, literally. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Have you seen Mercedes is uh, on, on Mercedes socials? They have like a photo of a play window with the caption, like traveling to Barcelona. And outside the play window, you can just see the crane with the Mercedes <laughs> on it. <laughs> wow. They don't give a fuck that people have seen the floor. It's fine. It's not as good as Red Bull's anyway. We've made that pretty clear.
0: I mean, as long as they don't drop it. I saw a video of, I don't remember I what was year. So,
1: honestly, I don't think yeah. I've ever been that uneasy watching Formula One before than you when imagine? they did that
0: just, like, if it just dropped and just damaged oh, so much. Did like you see at the start dollars. when
1: they Ooh. just started lifting it up? Did you not see? Because oh, did it with, flip a little? No, with, with, with F1 cars, all of the weight is majority at the back, isn't it? Uh uh-huh. Because you've got the engine, the gearbox, and the, the massive rear tires, whatever. Right. And as they just started lifting it up, when the marshals had let go, the back end had sort of gone down, and it sort Ooh. of, like, swung in the air for, like, 30 seconds.
0: Oh, like, I did not see that.
1: <laughs> oh, and then they cut to the, the people in the Mercedes garage. They were just, like,
0: Yeah, biting their nails. (laughs) Yeah, that
1: (laughs) just... I was nervous as fuck watching that. Uh, Just imagine what the people at Mercedes were thinking.
0: So in the case where a car is dropped like that and it's outside of the fault of the the team, you know, it's like a track error or something, Mm. would the team get compensated in at least money to, like, rebuild and and replace?
1: You'd probably think so because it's not coming from like their driver or like yeah it's not a crash that one of their drivers has done
0: right
1: so i think it'd probably come from the grand prix themselves they'd go right our marshals fucked up here's the money to get it fixed but with monaco it's fine because they're probably the best trained marshals in the world
0: i see so the the, the
1: chances of something like that happening are slim to none gotcha Gotcha. it's as scary as it was
0: yeah um, yeah speaking of Monaco so the, the new camera views were really neat to see there were some beautiful aerials and just new places on the track that we saw new angles of at least it, was it also
1: cool. showed that the um, the harbor especially was absolutely rammed I looked further on and there were two massive cruise ships just there yeah like they weren't docked or anything they were just there oh, wow. so if that's something that you could do I think like that might have been a package or something. Imagine paying that and then like saying, "Oh yeah, we'll take you to Monaco for the race," and you end right. up like, anchoring a like, hundred meters from the the, the shoreline. Yeah. You'd be pissed off, but it, it'd be a pretty good view anyway. I mean, but that's on my like my bucket list is to be in the apartment and with a balcony overlooking the circuit. Oh my god, I've yeah. seen people do it before, and it just looks so good.
0: Yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't know what it's like to live in Monaco. But to have a little pedit there sounds like it would be quite nice. <laughs> At least for that
1: weekend. Yeah, Doesn't my grandma total... used to have an apartment in Monaco. No way. Yeah, she did, but like she ended up choosing fucking England. <laughs> why? Why? I keep telling my dad, why didn't you convince her to stay in to Monaco, stay. man? Yeah. yeah. And it was like it was on the exit of the tunnel where, mm. where it was. It was coming up into the, one of the best breakings. That'd of be the amazing. Come on. Imagine the amount of money you could make
0: just renting just out. By,
1: that. Yeah. Just yeah. like saying, oh, yeah, you can pay me and you can come and stay on my balcony. Yeah. You've been minted. Yeah. It's just such a genius business plan, just thrown away because you wanted to stay in fucking England, man.
0: That's one of my favorite new slang words that I've heard. Uh, minted. I had never heard that <laughs> until a couple of weeks ago. Is that new, or is that just been a long time thing? It just no, means bad, like yeah, you're super rich, right?
1: It just means yeah, stacked, yeah, pretty much. Stacked,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, minted. I think that's totally. You know, sometimes you hear new words and you're like, now where the fuck did that come from? You're just like <laughs> making stuff up now. <laughs> but that one makes total sense. <laughs> I love it. Let's start using it. Ah. Uh, okay. So the last thing that I want to talk about with Monaco is just a tiny, tiny little thing. Because I noticed it and I thought it was cool, uh, which was the dress, Princess. Mm. Um, what is her name? Charlene's dress. I just think it's cool. It was really flowy, and it like they came out at the bottom, and it was just pretty cool. And I was like, "Hmm." She definitely thought about that quite a bit. That was pretty neat. Oh yeah, yeah. Monaco is well, always
1: like the sort of center of, of fashion, especially on a race where you get so sure. many people wearing like so much extravagant shit.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, so and it she
1: really I, didn't look out of place, to be fair, wearing that, even though anywhere else you probably would have.
0: Yeah, and it's not like crazy Hunger Games over the top, you know, like with a with a headpiece or something. It's just you know, it's like a nice little thing. Um. Okay. So then we both watched the Indy Five Hundred. Yes. Well, which was. absolute nuts. Well, I mean, it was like a you know standard first hundred or 150 laps, but the last 50 laps, as usual, with the Indy 500, right? It's the
1: last 50 laps normally with any oval race because, yeah, and it or just it's. I heard uh, Esteban Ocon talk about this with um, Matt and Tommy P1. Mm. They and he said a very good point. He says that. When you're restarting a race, like because they do it in NASCAR quite a lot, if you're restarting a race for just one or two laps, yeah. the, the philosophy is of you can't win a race at the first corner just goes out the window and people are just going for it. You've got the entire field yeah. just gunning it. And that's why I think a lot of people, like we, we saw a lot of people go off in pretty much silly fashion. I don't yeah. think that Pato Award should have gone for that move when he did because he could have waited, he had nine laps to go for that.
0: I know. Yeah, he's gonna be kicking himself for that. And I then think he the... thought it was all on that moment, and he mm-hmm. went all in for it. But
1: and then at that restart, there were two more people crashing as well. Sure. Oh, there, were, there, yeah. there were three. There, Ray Hall. I feel bad for Ray Hall, man. He like he was he fought through so much just to get on the field. He got knocked out in qualifying. Then Stefan Wilson had the injury. Then he jumped in that, and then he crashes into. Ed Carpenter, oh man, he's had such a—he's had a very rough month of May. Now with award, <laughs> like he said something in the interview after. I don't know if you saw this, where so. he says <laughs> about uh, Ericsson, because he thought that Ericsson had squeezed him to the inside, and then
0: oh, it, I did see and then that. He, yeah, he was asked if he thought
1: it was his fault. Yeah, and then he says at the end, "I won't forget that."
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he just didn't have the he didn't have the right away he wasn't the head he just kind of was trying to sneak in there and he acted like he was getting cut off but yeah, no. Uh, no he was just trying I think to
1: think he lost a few he'd lost a few places off the restart and he was a little angry so he was just trying to work True. his way back up into the third because he'd gone from leading to fourth yeah and he'd, he'd been passed he just right. wanted to get the get himself back up the field like as quickly as possible but he could have waited man he had like eight laps to yeah. do it
0: he could have done it later. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, the nerves are so high. I mean, just as a spectator, my adrenaline was up. And so to be in the driver's seat, like insane, insane. So I give him a little bit of a break. But you're right. it He absolutely should have waited. He'll be kicking himself a little bit for that. I think
1: speaking of being in the driver's seat, you were in the driver's seat years ago with one Alexander Rossi. What was all yeah. that about?
0: <laughs> yeah, we raced together at uh, Prairie City Raceway out, out in California. Uh, I don't think he'll remember me or anything, but um, but it was kind of cool. He was kind of kind of in the front of the field, and I was like mid backfield at that time. Um, we were a little, I think, out of sync. I don't think we were ever, you know, wheel to wheel very much on on track. Maybe one race or two, but yeah, no, he was he was fast. He was competitive. He went off into regional stuff very quickly, and it was me and my dad were just kind of that was our hobby, our weekend hobby, and we just kind of stuck local. Um, but yeah, I had that 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 you know that brief uh, encounter. You know, brief couple of saying, years. If,
1: if I were you, I would be milking up to the day I die. Like, well, imagine claiming you used to race with an Indy 500 race winner. That's 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 insane.
0: Yeah, it is pretty cool. I I have to say. Yeah. Um, I also raced with Kyle Larson, if we're name dropping. But that oh, was in God. a different sense because he didn't do the go karting, as far as I know, at least not where I did. But I worked at an indoor kart racing uh track when i was like hmm. from 18 to 20 or something and he would come in there and hang with us all the time and i'll say i was faster than him there but that's because we got free races and we would just run around constantly all week <laughs> every time like a car kind of sort of had an, an issue we'd be like let's take it for a couple of laps test test this car out.
1: <laughs> anytime it was slow we were out there it would so be he... nice to have a, a claim to fame like that i, I don't really remember like having any I did actually do a clubman race with Oli Berman before.
0: Oh yeah. That's who cool. races in
1: Formula Two. So you Well raced... that's about as much as I can claim to that, yeah. I was never any good, no, I was like you, except I was always at the back. So normally yeah. when we were wheel to wheel it was him lapping me. I <laughs> even see. though he's too even though he's like two or three years younger than me, which yeah. always baffles me because now I'm at that age where people like these drivers are, are younger than me, which yeah. I've never been in this position oh, before. My
0: gosh. Yeah. And it's just yeah, and you're, you're are young too. to have drivers younger than you even at your age is (sighs) insane yeah what have
1: they done that i haven't
0: yeah yeah so there was i i talked my dad about this recently i was like so my memory is horrible but maybe you could help me remember like did we ever like have very much interaction with rossi and he was like there was one time where lining up before going out on the track you know under the tent. Uh, your car bumped into his cause you were, you know, starting behind, right behind him. And his dad gave us a nasty look and <laughs> moved his wheel. <lead>. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah. No, there, he was super fast. I, I'm not even going to pretend that I was like competing with him. Um, that track that we were at was like one of the most high level competitive technical tracks. It was like the track where if you can win there... You can win anywhere kind of track. So it was a good place to learn. And it attracted a lot of, you know, high level talent. High level talent at that at that age and level. Um, you know, I was like, I think I raced from like
1: high eight, level talent in general. Fucking 12 to 15 it.
0: Yeah. It, yeah, in his case for sure. Yeah. And so there was a number of people that I kind of knew for a while that then did IKF, um, you know, like regionals and, and then obviously Rossi went all the way, but um, but yeah, we we kind of. I think my dad was really wanting it not to like not to put all the eggs in the racing basket because he didn't want me to get injured and he wanted me to have like a solid Plan B. And so around sophomore year, I think that was my last season was sophomore year of high school for me. Um, he was like, I we moved on to a, a different track uh, that was less competitive but still a ton of fun, and I was just um at that track i won little literally every single like every single race out there because you it was go. Just, i mean it was lower competition compared to prairie city so like at prairie city you know it was like there's a massive difference and so i was like mid midfield i think at best like mid-upper field but never like winning constantly at prairie city go over to any other track in the area and you just automatically win it was like that premiere of a track that one um but yeah, and then he was like, okay, so that was the pinnacle, that was it. We've been there, done that. Uh, you're going to college, so start studying those <laughs> classes. And I was like devastated. And it really affected me a lot. I really thought that I could have gone on and done something. I don't think I ever thought I was I would get as far as Formula One, but there's like a ton of different like random shit that you could do to just kind of make rent as a racing driver, or at least oh, continue yeah. half professionally while having a day job. And... Uh, no, my dad was like, "Yeah, you're gonna go to school." I think it's worked out fine in the end. You know, getting a PhD in physics, so it's like it's whatever. It's probably a good decision. Yeah. <laughs> Got a solid career. Just thinking around. about what
1: could have been. I could be here right now chatting with an Indy five hundred waste winner myself. Like, look.
0: Yeah, I well, no, I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> well, to be fair, I'd probably be
1: getting big time. To be fair, so. No.
0: <laughs> but yeah, no, it 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 really has. Um, it's really, I think, made me want to uh if I ever have kids someday and they are interested in racing and they're pretty good in getting into it um because of the way it impacted me and this isn't you know saying anything towards my dad because I think he made the right decision but I think that I would be willing to you know keep going with it because I think that there's uh, there's room for lots of different things. I don't think you have to like you know, be pulled out of school at third grade and stop learning how to read in order to become a racing driver, I think you can kind of, like, do both to some, some reasonable extent, so, yeah. But, um, I was looking into the path to Formula One, like, back in the day, and now it's so different, especially, like, the internet makes it a little easier, the information is more readily available, instead of, like, going and talking to people and finding out, and it just takes longer, you know, back in, like, the mid-2000s, there wasn't as much info online. So you'd have to like really figure out where, what track to go to, what organizations to become a part of, who to talk to. Whereas now it's like, it's really clear cut. There's like karting, regional karting maybe IKF or something, and then there's F4, F, F3 regional. And there's F3, and then there's like F2, and then F1. It's like so regimented.
1: It's a lot, lot easier to get into as well because I've seen sim racers go on and do this, and I've seen a competition uh, sponsored by Rocket where whoever won an online esports like like sim racing competition was given a british formula 4 seat yeah well that's,
0: that's to be fair to... yeah
1: it's always like it's always been sort of easy just look at Kimi raikkonen as my prime example in 2001 he got a seat in f1 having only done 23 car races his entire life
0: i didn't know that yeah raced
1: <laughs> so it, it's always been sort of like easy if you have the talent mm-hmm. I guess it's just about finding the right one but these days it's so budget orientated and you need a sponsor yeah. otherwise you're gone like which is so it's so sad to see because yeah some of these young guys that end up quitting they have so much talent and so much potential they just don't have the financial backing for it so you, it's kind yeah. of a, a hope and pray like that you get either a sponsor or your parents are rich enough to fund you through it where yeah. you can go like, like i'm set no matter what i do
0: yeah, it's it steps up in orders of magnitude as you go through the ranks. So like carding is depending on how seriously you wanna take it, it's you know, like low level thousands, you know, per per year. If you get if you take it really seriously, you can maybe get into like fifteen or twenty thousand. If you're including travel and buying a fifth wheel or something, then you gotta throw that in there, I guess, if you want. But if you're talking like, you know, just tires and, you know, new chains every now and then and like a new motor and new new frame. It's it's not like crazy. It's attainable for if you you know if you have a few thousand dollars to spend on 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 a hobby. But then you'd go to the next level. Like if you wanted to buy yourself and sponsor yourself into a Formula One, or a Formula Four, or Formula Three, uh, you know, like regional kind of car. Um, I think to like just buy the minimum to attach yourself to like a team and rent what you needed and just scrappily get through it's somewhere around 50 to 60 grand for the season and to go do your whole operation it's somewhere closer to like 100 or 100 and you know 10 and that's not covering travel and all the other things that you might so that's that's a big commitment big huge jump up right there right and then i don't know where formula 3 and 2 land but i don't know too many drivers that are like sponsoring themselves at that point you need to find a team otherwise you're probably in it for a pretty good amount of six figures I don't know, and then well,
1: obviously Formula we've... Three is the it's, it's the first category that pays you. So, oh
0: okay. By that yeah.
1: point, you should either have a, a pretty good sponsor or you're yeah. rich enough to to fund a seat through F4. Yeah. in regionals or Italian is a massive way to get into it as well. I've seen a lot of a lot of people have come through the Italian F4. I but see. You by that point, you're yeah. either set enough to the point where you're like, okay i've got a massive company backing me or something go out and see what seat you can get me or if you show your talent enough then a big like then a team in formula 3 would come up to you and go okay we want to fund you for a season and see what you've got and then it goes from there so then they say okay we'll fund you we'll take you on you don't have to pay anything maybe travel but that's it and then it gets from there and then you showcase your talent you showcase your skill and you, you get a fully funded and paid for seat in Formula 2, which is where they start paying the big money. Sure, and then okay. if you're good enough, you get millions in Formula 1. So it's, if you can just stick with it, either financially or get yourself a, a partner or a financial like backer or a sponsor, whatever, mm-hmm. then it, it can come good pretty pretty quickly. And at a pretty young age as well, some of these guys, in yeah. even in F2, are like 17, 16
0: is that right in so, f2 yeah there's no minimum ollie age. Behrman.
1: ollie behrman is 17 yeah wow. but that means that you can't get your super license you need to stick in for another year even if you win the championship because the minimum age to get your super license is 18. so see, yeah. you'd, you'd often see people winning the formula two championship yeah. then getting banned from competing in formula two the next year because of the rules and then they'll just either mm. by that point you will probably be in a, a, a teams academy a driver academy whether that be Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes, Williams, McLaren, whatever. I see, yeah. So you'd likely get a development role with them and then maybe even a reserve driver. I don't think they'd offer a reserve driver, to be fair, because you don't have a super license because you're not old enough. Yeah. But you'd definitely be offered a reserve role and then maybe they'd be off to go do other series in the year that you're not eligible to compete in Formula 2. Like, Liam Lawson has gone off to do Super Formula. I or see. for the, the female drivers, I know Bianca Pustamante, um rose up the ranks in w series and she's now doing f1 academy she's heavily tied with ferrari and Prima, and she's she she has just turned 18 to be fair so she could get a super license if she wanted to
0: that'd be but so no. cool to see right. a, a a woman driver in, in formula one grid yeah.
1: it's been so long since we have as well
0: yeah was is it is it um toto's wife her name Su- she, Susie? Oh,
1: Susie wolf yeah she, she tested was the williams i believe i don't think she had she never had the seat but she right. did test one yeah and besides that the only one i can remember is leia lombardi who scored half a point i think in the 1975 italian grub break half a point it's half a point yeah um i don't know why i remember that's that. the pay it's, gap cause right keep, there yeah because i keep <laughs> I keep not do double fucking all the pay gap. Jesus Christ, I've seen a on backlash on social media on that.
0: Alright. I won't say
1: that. Jesus. <laughs> no. I just it's kinda uh,
0: weird. I, we don't have half points anymore. Like what is that?
1: No. Unless like I would have said unless you have a situation like Spa twenty twenty one where they gave half points, but the FIA have since introduced something completely new to, to combat that and they've gone with the however long the distances and that level of points would get awarded to oh. that. But that's the only one i can remember it's weird that i remember that even but i do a lot of like my, my family like to quiz me on it because i know a lot and the is when i get them all right as well <laughs> yeah
0: i was gonna say ollie at this point it is not weird that you remember that <laughs> you're spectacular <laughs> uh yeah you know what that um when you were talking about you know at the point that it transitions that uh you said f two it transitions or f3 it transitions to around
1: f3 yeah because that's the one that gets like the major tv coverage
0: that's interesting that well i guess that diverges but i was mapping that to what i know in the in the physics you know and like undergraduate level you're paying for college you're paying to learn and then at the grad school level for engineering physics and sometimes other disciplines like sometimes other stem disciplines usually but not so much with liberal arts if you go to grad school you really should only accept positions that are offering you a stipend uh like either a research or a teaching stipend and so at that point it's kind of like you're getting paid to do it and then you know from there you get career but yeah yeah it's it's uh it's expensive at the start and i think at the point of formula three where you know that transition from you're paying for yourself to where they're paying you, that's I think the deciding factor more than anything. It's like at that point you know like whether whether you really are great in this space. Just like a you know a, a bright a, a student in general can pay f- for their own grad degree in a STEM field but if you know 90 percent of the slots are being offered we'll give you a stipend to come here and you're paying your own way it's like you probably had pretty bad grades or you know there's a reason like you know you're probably not not necessarily that you won't have any success but like you know it's an indicator of some kind like you shouldn't have to pay your way at that point and it sounds like it's the same for f3 drivers like at that point you shouldn't be paying your own way otherwise you're kind of swimming upstream and forcing your way into a space that maybe you're like you should be taking some signs that you're not really cutting it yet
1: hmm. well to be fair one of the things that i think it has something to do with is the fact that what i mentioned that the, it's the first like the lowest down series that gets major tv coverage that yeah. brings money in from ah, yeah. broadcasting rights and exclusivity whereas any yeah. tail lower than that you just get like free streams on youtube and that's not bringing any revenue in like yeah. massively so then yeah. they can afford to go right where yeah we will sponsor you we will fund you for a season Whereas in the lower categories, they're just like, sorry, we don't have enough money. You either need a sponsor or to mm-hmm. be able to, to pay for yourself. On the very rare occasion, a team would be like, okay, you're good. Like We we, we will like pull what, however many strings we need to to get you in our car because you're good. But yeah. no, they could afford to do it a lot more often in F3 and F2, which is why you see a lot more people going through than entering at the junior levels and going like mm-hmm. actually sticking with it and coming through. Yeah. Because by that point, like in F3, you'll already have the people who have had the backing and had the sponsors and, and bought themselves through most of the junior career. So by yeah. that point, then you can like go okay, and that that's at the point I think that you might deserve to be paid for it as well because you've yeah. given so much out and you've paid so much out of your own pocket mm-hmm. to the point where okay now yeah you can start reaping some money in, which so it's it's a pretty good cutoff as well I think. Yeah, and yeah, it just has to do with how much they bring in
0: yeah or you can just um you know buy a whole f1 team and set your son up there and maybe it works out <laughs> <laughs> if you had the money would you buy a formula one team well if of you course had
1: to, i would oh, you of would. of course i would oh is that <laughs> even a question
0: <laughs> <laughs> would you set up your whole new brand what who would you partner with how would that go down
1: Ooh, i would well I'd, I'd probably give Andretti their chance to be fair because they've been teasing us for so long mm-hmm. they've been like are we going to come into F1 oh we're we'll submitting an application waiting on the FIA are we going to do it are we not are we gonna? are we not are we going to ooh <laughs> who knows <laughs> and I, did, I just want them to stop fucking around and make a decision please yeah and if then that goes tits up I'll bring them in give the people what they want 11 teams yes please 22 drivers it's just a win-win more revenue, all that. And you're selling more merch at the end of the day as well to combat sure. what you're putting out, bringing the other team in. Sure. And they've said as well that we've got to put it to a vote where they see what the existing teams think. And it came back in an absolutely stonking majority in favor of Andretti and Cadillac as well, one of the biggest car dealers in the world. Cadillac right. is partnering with Andretti to launch a bid that. for 2025 to enter the grid. So. If I could, I'd probably do something like that. Or like one of the, the brands that are thinking about re-entering because if they want to make a in for themselves to get back into Formula 1, they're hmm. going to have to pay up big. And I would not say no to a bit of money.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the dream. I guess we keep saving our money. Get there one day, maybe. <laughs> um, Let's see okay so so zach brown chose the wrong race to attend i'll just say that <laughs> but those mclaren I don't blame him. yeah it, it was set to be pretty exciting i mean the mclaren was like what were they at some point third fourth fifth or like third fourth sixth in in the mm. 500, at some point and then it just yeah, kind of they, all... they had a
1: good chance of, of winning as well and you, sure. you don't want to say anything bad about the f1 team but then do they way not win winning monaco whereas yeah. there was a good chance that one of the former claren cars could have won the 500 and obviously yeah. he's american it's the biggest race in, in america so you know it just yeah. made sense but regardless whether they crashed out or not you know you, you go to that you, you, you don't know he's going to crash out because if he goes to that race knowing that pato was going to crash out felix was yeah. going to crash out in an absolutely scary accident as well Super oh i don't scary. know if you remember that
0: yeah oh yeah oh yeah and he, and he, he lifted it up his. That, then, visor
1: yeah. He, yeah oh kirkwood yeah lifting up the visor as he's still like sparking yeah. upside down and oh yeah. my god my my heart fell out yeah. my ass
0: i was wondering what that was about like people were saying he needed oxygen so as soon as the car shuts off then it stops pumping oxygen into his helmet do you think that was it or did was it just like a just gut reaction of like i need some air no, it's a
1: signal it's a sig- it's very similar to when you see in nascar they put the window net down and that's yes. a signal to say, I'm fine. I'm not hurt, I'm not injured.
0: Oh. So in,
1: in open wheel, when you don't have a window net, you'd lift oh. your visor up to show the marshals that you're okay.
0: I see. I didn't know that, that that explains it, okay. But there were sparks flying everywhere. I was like, damn, <laughs> <laughs> signal or not, I think I'd keep that thing closed. But yeah, that halo bar yeah, definitely, definitely <sighs> helped him out. Jesus. Maybe even saved his life. And the tire, did you see that tire that flew out into the stands? I was like, did yes, that just kill people?
1: <laughs> I was I going to say, because with the, with the angle that the camera had, I thought it was going to hit some people in the grandstand. I thought it was going to kill like. some people.
0: It but totally no, it just like ended
1: that. up hitting someone's car. And to yeah. be fair, I, I would have liked to be the owner of that car, because to have yeah, them, the Speedway themselves come up and go, all right, we'll pay you for it, and go, I oh, almost uh-huh. feel like a god.
0: They're going to sell that hood to somebody, and they'll put it up on their man cave somewhere in the garage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd keep uh, it. You'd keep it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah, put it up in your own place. Oh, yeah. 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 Alright, what do we got for for oh well actually I wanna ask one question. I don't I didn't see too much about this, but okay. So there's there's been a couple of things that I just kind of uh roll my eyes about with when with McLaren and like quote-unquote lack of focus or something like with sponsors there's a kind of a meme that like that McLaren is just like m- you know they're optimizing for sponsorships not for races and whatever uh and then also like Zach Brown being at the Indy 500 instead of Monaco can we just like put out there like right now like there's no like Zach Brown is not putting sponsors above the the performance of the cars Zach Brown is not putting the Indy team ahead of the Formula One team. None yeah. of that is the case. I just saw like a little bit of that pop up and I'm just like, that's ridiculous.
1: Well, what people are forgetting is that Zach Brown's the CEO of McLaren Racing as a company. He's not yeah. the team principal of the Formula One team. So right. he has no obligation to be at the races. Right. So if he wants to go to the Indy 500, which is probably the better race to go to above Monaco, let him. And with the sponsors, they kind of needed a, a lift like this, with, with Zach Brown coming in and Eric Bouillet leaving. Because when, like, if you look at the 2018 car, for example, it's just orange. There's maybe one, two sponsors on their max. Yeah. So that's sort of either making up for lost time. Got it. It definitely gives you a, a the, the morale boost working like internally because you're thinking that now you're turning to a global brand again, and you're not some, you know, backmarker Formula One team that people laugh at got it so within mclaren it's you know it's it's more of a good thing if anything i can understand why people would say that he's putting sponsors over performance when the car is bad but what about Mm -hmm. when the car's good and he's still bringing all these sponsors in then what what do they say then yeah that the the argument just goes so he's still like managing it how any other ceo or team principal would you have your sponsor like Mm -hmm. department you have your car department yeah, and he's just managing that very well and it just so happens that he's got a very good PR department
0: yeah it just seems like something that doesn't have to eat into the other it's like both can exist the stickers could be on the car and that could be a team that works independently from the actual racing team and the engineers and it's like just because there's more logos on the car doesn't mean that the engineers instead of paying attention to the wind tunnel are over here trying to talk to sponsors like that's not <laughs> how it works it's a pretty big operation so pretty silly uh, but that being said um mclaren i mean they're reaching the cost cap in and beyond right they're a pretty big operation so it's it's not like um yeah it, it's it's not like the sponsorships that they're getting are contributing to feeding back into the team like they're already at that cap every year right so it's just kind of like this completely independent thing that doesn't affect positively or negatively the racing outcome right
1: no, or it's just... mainly just about brand growth. To be honest, it's like trying to get the name out there, sell T-shirts, whatever.
0: Yeah. And... So it's just it's a completely separate thing, and it doesn't doesn't really affect. Yeah. Zach Brown, he's quite a character. He's yes. Quite a character. He has a presence, you know. Oh yeah. He seems like a guy you'd want to get a beer with. <laughs>
1: oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, please.
0: Yeah. Uh, do you want to briefly take us to Spain?
1: Yeah, let's do it. I, I do think that, especially with uh, a lot of teams announcing like major upgrade packages for Imola, especially M- Mercedes being the biggest one, right. and then Imola getting cancelled, and then we go to Monaco, Monaco was never going to be somewhere where we could judge just how effective the upgrades would be and the performance difference would be in comparison to the, the old Mercedes that, that raced in Miami, for example. So I do think that Spain is going to be a much better track to gauge just exactly if they've found performance and where obviously they've added side pods and that claim to have a sort of difference at monaco but a a sort of difference at monaco could be a massive difference in barcelona and speaking of uh, barcelona as well they've finally removed the stupid chicane in the final sector Oh. oh my god yeah and that was met with very mixed opinions that fernando alonso is the only driver who has driven that configuration they last used it in 2006. okay and it was met with very very mixed reactions from um, especially lewis hamilton saying that he thought it was a very good change he said that it would be easier on the neck it would improve the racing going out onto the he said it'd be going flat into the final corner and it just improved the flow through it all. But then you have Lando Norris, who says that he's not really looking forward to it because he says it'll be tougher on the neck. He doesn't think huh. that they'll be flat around the final corner, but he says we'll just have to wait and see. So there is definitely mixed huh. reception. Me, personally, as an avid player of the F1 game, I'm fucking buzzing because that nightmare is a nightmare to drive on the game. <laughs> but I do I think sh- it'll improve the racing for sure.
0: Maybe I should get that game. Lauren's been wanting me to get it. I'm oh, yeah, always the new
1: ones coming out as well. Uh, the Sixteenth, yeah. sixteenth of June.
0: Maybe is, I should is get it June?
1: It. Is it June or July? I'm gonna look that up. I'm gonna... Can you
0: can you can can you and I race together if I got it? Oh yeah, it like a multiplayer thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think Lauren. Sixteenth of
1: June. Yeah, 2023. I was
0: gonna say. All right. Is it cross platform? <laughs> yeah. On PC. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm always, uh, I end up so frugal. I'm so weird about stuff. Like I'll look at like the highest end stuff and then I'll like be like, yeah, I would settle for no less than that. And then I'm like, but I'm going to save my money. And then I end up doing nothing in this world. (laughs) Just sit sit in my little tiny apartment cave and I'm just like, I'll be there one day. I'll be buying Formula One (laughs) teams someday. (laughs) Yeah, no, I got to learn to live a little maybe after grad school ends that's probably contributing anyway is there anything else that you wanted to bring up that i didn't cover I didn't throw in
1: there uh, i don't think so i was mainly going off what you put to be honest i just had a little, few little things to add with yeah. the the notes um but no uh, i think we covered enough i think yeah
0: yeah i think so i think we've gone for at least an hour so all right man well looking forward to the next race Looking forward to covering that.
1: I don't think I'll be able to watch it because I'm I'm going to be in Fine. Newcastle. Um, oh okay. But I might I might see if there's like a sports bar or something I can stick it on like. Watch it
0: live with. or watch it at all?
1: Probably just as much as I can because then there's a game at at four thirty my time, which so the race would start at three, mm-hmm. and I would and then the game kicks off at half four. So I hope that I'll be able to catch at least most of it. I'll probably match is going to win who gives a fuck
0: (laughs) yeah that's probably the case well i yeah we'll talk about it i don't know what time it is here i haven't looked at the times but um if it's in the middle of the night i wouldn't be running it live anyway so maybe you can join my stream of it Hmm. but yeah all right well this has been house call sports with ollie and joel covering the formula one race review of monaco Thanks for tuning in to us. We'll be here throughout the rest of the season and beyond. We duly appreciate your viewership. Uh, leave us a comment. The first person to leave us a nice, genuine comment. Even a mean, ingenuine comment. I'm gonna respond to you and I'm, we're gonna have a great time. You can it's be the first. It's probably
1: gonna be Lauren because she comments on pretty much everyone.
0: Yeah, she's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, leave a comment. If you watched this, leave a comment. Even if it's just like, no, I don't want to leave a comment and then hit send. <laughs> 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 we love to see it. We want to see, you know, we want to see who, who who's watching and what you guys think. Give us some pointers. Give us some tips. Tell us what you want to see. Tell us what you would like to see less of, whatever. Anyways, have a good rest of time. Until next time, bye-bye.